Hi, my name's Gwen, and I'm going to be reading this morning from Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. A call to persevere in faith. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. This is God's word. Well, it's a great pleasure to be with you insofar as I am with you. I'm really sorry we're not at Phillip Island. I, I love looking at penguins. They're such purposeful people, aren't they, when they plod up the, the, uh, the sand and look so um, determined about life. They're an example to us all. So you'll just have to imagine the penguins. I can't produce any. I'm sorry about that. Now we're thinking about uh, enriching our relationship with God and in particularly enriching our prayers. Now I'd like to start with a reading from Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was still in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So Nehemiah is an exile in Susa in the Persian Empire and he's hearing news about his hometown Jerusalem. Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. Now listen to Nehemiah's response. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then we have what is Nehemiah's prayer, which summarizes what he's been mourning and fasting about. And I want you to notice the shape of the prayer. Uh, before he gets to what he wants, he describes uh, who God is, he talks about who God is to God and then he describes his own situation and the situation of God's people before he gets to the request. Listen carefully to the prayer. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his command. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even, even your exiled 
people at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring into the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. These are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. And here's the request, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in reverencing your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. And Nehemiah explains, I was cupbearer to the king. Now the point I'm making is that before Nehemiah begins with his request, he first of all reminds himself and God of who God is, and then he explains his own situation and uh, the situation of God's people in this great dilemma and tragedy. Well, that's actually a key to good conversations, isn't it? You, you know the kind of conversation where you're too busy to relate to the person you're talking to, so you just give them an instruction? Or they're too busy to talk to you, and so they don't pay much attention to you? Those conversations are sometimes necessary, but always frustrating, aren't they? They're kind of business conversations. They happen in families, don't they? Uh, who's going to feed the chooks tonight? Uh, who's putting the cat out? Uh, who's collecting the children? Uh, they happen at work, of course. Lots of business conversations, task conversations. They happen in marriages. They happen between friends sometimes. But how good is it when we can sit down with somebody, a husband or a wife or children or friend, a neighbour, and say, wow, it's really good to see you again. Uh, let me hear how you're going and then I'll tell you how I'm going as well. It's a kind of, it's, it's, it's if you like, wasting time as we might think about it, not getting a job done, but actually relating to someone. Uh, that takes energy and it takes time to do it. And I think, it, here's a great example uh, in Nehemiah chapter one of somebody who's considered his prayer but doesn't rush into what he wants. He doesn't just say to God, please help me to convince the king to do something about this. No, he spends time reminding himself and indeed praising God for who God is and then stating his own situation, his own feelings about how he is. Now, my natural tendency when I pray is to get on with the shopping list. Uh, these people are in trouble. Uh, I need this help. Uh, this is something I need to do next week. Please help me. That's my default. But I'm trying uh, uh, in these, in these uh, last few years to spend more time thinking of the God to whom I am praying and also being honest with God about my own situation at the present time. And as a matter of fact, if you read the Psalms, there's a lot of that going on, isn't there? Praising God for who God is, remembering who God is, but also saying, look, we're really in trouble. As a matter of fact, the church I go to, we're doing a morning prayer online five, five days a week. And we're, we're, we, we, we're, we read through the Psalms, a Psalm each day. And it's fascinating to see how much there is a focus of the attention of the psalm on who God is and then who we are, what's happening to us, or in some cases, who I am, what's happening to me. 
Now this is a great key to our relationship with God and a great key to our praying. Because not only uh, do we have the encouragement uh, of uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, but also we have the great words of Hebrews uh, chapter 10. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, and since we have a great priest over the household of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and bodies washed with pure water. Please notice the focus that uh, whereas in the Old Testament ordinary people couldn't come into the presence of God in the most holy place, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. That is the presence of God. How? By the blood of Jesus and because Jesus is our great high priest. Two keys to our entrance into the very presence of God. Isn't this wonderful? It's not just that we pray where we are and God's a million miles away or wherever he is and he can still hear our prayer. No, when we're praying, we actually come into the presence of God. As a matter of fact, I think the point of Hebrews chapter 10 is not that when we pray, we come into the presence of God, but we actually live all the time in the presence of God. Well, that must be true, mustn't it? Where shall I flee from your presence? Wherever I go, there you are, Psalm 139. Or Paul in Acts 17, in him we live and move and have our being. So we sometimes feel that God is a long way away. But actually, the universe is infused with the presence of God. All things hold together in Christ. You can't escape God. And we who believe in Jesus Christ, we're who washed by the blood of Jesus, saved by his atoning death, we who have Jesus as our great high priest, we not only are in the presence of God, we're welcomed into the presence of God. We have confidence and free access into the presence of God. So what I'm suggesting we think about, and think about particularly when we're praying, is the old phrase, practicing the presence of God. To practice the presence of God is to know that we're in God's presence and to know that we, you, you and I, each moment are in the presence of God. So this enriching our relationship with God, this enriching our prayers is not just uh, bringing, uh, if I can put it this way, our requests to God once a day. It is living all the time consciously in the presence of God. Now my prayer pattern over many years has been to pray in the mornings, which I've done most mornings, I think. But I've tried to develop recently the practicing the presence of God all the time. You know, when you're walking somewhere or uh, don't have a particular job uh, to do, your mind goes into a kind of free flow. I've tried to direct that flow towards God. Uh, I, I walk my dogs every day. And I've tried to engage God in that walk as well. God, that is a beautiful tree. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, what a beautiful flower that is. How much I enjoy spring. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm feeling a bit tired on this walk. 
but I'm really encouraged by those clouds scudding across the sky. So what I'm trying to do is to practice the presence of God all the time. It's the kind of thing the psalmist does. In, in the watches of the night, I meditate on your works. In the watches of the night, I call out, cry out to you. If we want to practice the presence of God, then we need to remind ourselves all the time, and especially when we pray, who is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like uh, catching up with a friend you haven't seen for a while. How are you going? It's a bit like the kind of conversations that husbands and wives should have but frequently don't have the time to have. How are you? Who are you? What's, what's happening in your life? Let me tell you what's happening in my life. So first of all then, who is God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit? Whereas of course, uh, as you know from Scripture, he's the only true God, the creator, the sustainer, the king and the ruler of all. But this great and mighty God, his ears are always open to our prayers. He's always attentive to us, never distracted, never overburdened. His ears are always open to our prayers. And his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to die on the cross that we might have access to the presence of God. It's not just that God declares from the other end of the universe, you are forgiven or you are my child or you are accepted. It is that we come into the very presence of God by the blood of Jesus and by Christ our great high priest. Not only that, but inside us, as we are temples of God's Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray to our Father. So God is inside us, as it were, prompting us to pray to, uh, to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit prompts us to pray. We pray through our Lord Jesus Christ and our Father's ears are always open to our prayers. And it's good to think about who God is. God is our rock, our fortress, our mighty deliverer. God is our shepherd who cares for his sheep. God is our saviour, our deliverer, our rescuer. God is a covenant God who keeps his promises. He's faithful and trustworthy. Our God is full of compassion, comfort and kindness, full of forgiveness. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God calls us to put to death the works of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit may flourish in our lives. God has given us responsibility in our world to care for it and to use it wisely. We are made in the image of God. We're made to be visible reminders of who God is, the best of God's character, his love and kindness and generosity. God has given us responsibility for our world, to care for it, to use it wisely, and yet also God calls us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God is the God of all the nations. This is who God is. God calls us to make disciples of Christ. God calls us to love him. God calls us to love our neighbor. God is the judge of all. God is a holy God, a faithful God, a righteous God, a just God, a mighty God, a glorious God, a holy God. I uh, have had two older brothers, one has died, 
I'm the third, third boy. And uh, whenever I find whenever I talk about the old days, our, when we were together as a family, my two older, bro two older brothers tend to correct my memory of what's going on. Uh, so I'll say, well, this happened. And uh, one of them will always say, oh, no, it wasn't like that at all. Uh, so they revert into, I'm the little brother who needs to be corrected, even though I'm no longer little. Well, I'm quite little, really, but no longer young. Uh, in fact, I'm old. And I feel like saying, look, actually, I'm a grown-up human being now. <laughs> And how easy it is to treat God as we thought of God a long time ago and not renew our understanding of God. I met a man recently uh, who, who, who prays every night the same prayer his parents taught him when he was six years old, though the donkey for whom he prays is long dead, as are his parents for whom he still prays. So he's still praying the way he was praying a long time ago. But I hope that your prayers are being enriched by your growing knowledge of God. I hope that as you read the scriptures and study the scriptures and hear sermons and uh, take part in Bible studies and so on and uh, hear other people's experience of God as they're found in the scriptures, that your experience, your knowledge of God is growing all the time. Paul prays for that, for the Colossians, that their knowledge would abound, would grow. So I hope your knowledge of God is growing. You're getting to know God better, trusting him more and more. And I think one of the great privileges of being a Christian for a long time is that you discover new things about God, how trustworthy God is, how glorious God is, how holy God is, how powerful God is. So I hope your experience of God is growing all the time so that you know, you're knowing God as he is rather than as he was 30 years ago, or rather as you knew him 30 years ago. I hope you're finding new truths about God in the scriptures. I hope you're meeting God in a new way when you read the Bible. And as your knowledge of God is growing, I hope your knowledge of yourself is growing. That you're praying to God honest prayers about who you are at the present time. I was talking to a neighbor of mine who's uh, about my age. And uh, she said to me, her, her doctor said to her, if you're over 70 and you wake up in the morning without pain in some part of your body, you're probably dead, which was a cheery thing for a doctor to say. But a con just a reminder that most people who are over 70 are experiencing some kind of pain. And we didn't ever read about this when we were young. I used to think old people are always complaining. Now I understand why they're always complaining. My, my mother could... Uh, detect an, a door left open at about five rooms distant and I now understand why I think oh there's a dark breeze coming in but it's so important that we bring ourselves as we are to God honestly and openly to God not not pretending that we're something we're not or not pretending we are what we were 20 years ago or even five months ago we have to bring our today selves to God. Who are you? You're 
someone made in the image of God, made to be a reminder of God, a representation of God. You're created by God and your life is sustained by God from moment to moment. If God lost attention, you would disappear. You're made to know and love and serve God. You are tainted by sin, but forgiven by Christ. You are indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. You are a temple of God's Holy Spirit. You're a member of God's people. You're a member of God's church. But then there's your physical life and situation. Uh, your age, your, if you're married or not, your, if you have children, the, the friends you have, the job you have, the study you're doing, the retirement you're enjoying or not, the interests you have, the contacts you have, the networks you have, the neighbours where you live or work. These are all part of your life. But also when we come to God, we should be open and honest about our past, our personal history, the good and bad elements of it, our regrets, our frustrations, our thanksgiving. And we should be conscious of our present situation, how we use our time and energy, our responsibilities, our worries, our challenges, our complaints, our sorrows, our frustrations, our pains, our sins, our hopes, our plans, our desires, our thanksgiving. And many of us are going through times of worry at present, and I, I love the advice that Martin Luther gave to his wife, Katie. She was a great worrier. He said, don't worry, let God worry. And how wonderful as our minds naturally turn to worries or to concerns about other people or plans, to turn those worries and concerns into prayers, to hand them over to God, to cast our cares on God. How important when we have regrets to be content with God's ordering of our lives and hand those regrets on to God. How vital when we sin or remember a past sin to ask God's forgiveness for those sins. How important not just to think of relating to God for a few moments or uh, longer each day, but to relate to God, to bring our present life to God all the time, our enjoyments and our sadnesses. We'll be thinking about the habitual sins we need to confess. We'll be thinking about the holiness and godliness we need to pursue. We'll be thinking about God's, our need for God's help and strength for our daily lives. We'll be thinking about what situations in our own lives or in Australia or in the world we need to lament and grieve about to God and say how painful they are. And we need to think how we can pray for ourselves, for our families, our friends, our church, our community, for Australia and for the world. And how we can pray that uh, friends and family members who aren't yet believers in Jesus Christ would come to know him. That people would be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ in every place around this world. And God's people would be strengthened to witness faithfully and bravely to the power and compassion God. So the main point I'm making is that we need to practice the presence of God and practice being present to God. 
practice God's presence and practice our own presence to God. This takes time and determination. It means not, not just arriving at God's doorstep with a list of things we need to pray for, though that is a good thing to do, and we'll talk about that uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, I think our natural thought is that prayer means asking. Well, uh, there are prayers of asking in the Bible, but there are many more prayers of thanksgiving, of grieving, of sadness, of feeling alone, of reminding God of who God is, of praising God for his goodness, for creation, for his covenant faithfulness, for his marvellous deeds, his saving deeds, his works, and praising him for his words as well. I think a good way to enrich our prayers is every time we read the Bible to turn that Bible reading into a prayer. That way we're praying God's words back to him. That way we're expanding our prayers. We're learning to pray in a bigger way, a new way, a richer way. And if you think about it, if you read the Bible and don't know how to pray the words back to God, then you won't know how to do what the Bible says. If you can't even turn the Bible's message, God's message to the Bible into words, then you won't be able to turn it into deeds. So a great uh, lesson, I think, to learn is to turn whatever we read in the Bible into a prayer. So... Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I have other sheep, well, whom I must gather. Well, what would be a good prayer to pray? Well, it's, it's simple, isn't it? Lord Jesus, I praise you because you are the good shepherd. And I thank you so much that you're the good shepherd who laid down your life for the sheep. And I pray that you'd keep on gathering more sheep for your flock from my friends and my neighbours and more sheep for your flock from all nations of the world today. And I pray for persecuted Christians that you'd protect your flock in every place. Or well, let's think of Nehemiah's prayer. Why, you can use Nehemiah's prayer as a prayer, can't you? O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, you keep your covenant of love with those who love you and obey your commands. And you kept your covenant of love by sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your faithfulness and your love. And thank you too, that your love is spread abroad in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. So there, well, I've just meshed a bit of 
Nehemiah chapter 1 and a bit of uh, John 3.16, I guess, and a bit of Romans chapter 5. I've kind of knitted them together, haven't I, into a little prayer of praise to God. So you might like to think of your favorite Bible verses and start turning them into prayers. I constantly think of casting all your cares on him for he cares for you. So why not turn it into a prayer and say, well, God, I thank you so much that, that I can cast my cares on you, that you care for me. And then turn it into a particular prayer. Uh, Dear Father, these are the things I'm worrying about today. Uh, I, I, as you get older, I think you get more anxious about ordinary things. So in the old days, I could drive somewhere without thinking about it. But I got up this morning and thought, now I, I, have, I have to drive to, uh, to this place. Uh, so I looked at a map and then I said, God, please help me get there without getting lost and without panicking and without killing somebody. So I was casting my cares on God, you see. So what I'm saying is, uh, you, if you, whenever you read the Bible, turn, turn that by just even a few words of that Bible reading into a prayer. And the other piece of advice is, uh, when you think, now I want to pray about something, it's often good to go to a Bible passage which is about that subject and use that as the basis for your prayers. So whenever I'm praying for the world, and there are plenty of issues to pray for in our world, I always remind God that he's the one who made the heavens and the earth. And that as we read in, uh, in Colossians chapter 1, that all things hold together in Christ. So, Father, I praise you that you made heaven and earth, uh, that you rule all nations and that all things hold together in Christ. So I pray today for the people of Lebanon. Please care for them and protect them. As uh, I find another little uh, key from uh, turning Bible prayers, uh, the Bible readings into prayer, is that you notice when, whenever Paul prays for somebody, he thanks God for them first. So when I pray for you, I thank God for you. So I've started doing that. Whenever I'm praying for somebody, I thank God for them first. That's such a great thing to do because then I'm recognizing what God's already done in their lives. I'm thanking God for them and then praying for them. So by these little ways, we find that the Bible can teach us how to pray and enrich our praying and thus enrich our relationship with God. Well, we may have missed the penguins this morning, but we have thought about practicing the presence of God, being aware of the God in whose presence we are and being aware of ourselves, the people who are in God's presence. We've thought about turning the Bible into prayers. It's easy to turn Bible prayers into prayers but we can turn any part of the Bible into a prayer. And a good way to start, as I mentioned, is to think of your favorite Bible verses and turn them into a prayer. You may need to write it down and you may get the words in the wrong order, but that doesn't matter. God can cope with that. And also when you're thinking about praying for something, then think of a Bible passage that relates to that prayer. Read the Bible passage 
and then turn that Bible passage into your prayer. How wonderful to think God's thoughts after him and how wonderful to pray God's words to him. Let's pray together. God, our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a covenant, a faithful God, that you made us and your ears are always open to our prayers. Please help us to know you as our God through the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to you through his shed blood and through him, our great high priest. And please keep prompting us to pray by your Holy Spirit. Please grow our knowledge of you and please increase our understanding of ourselves that we may practice your presence and practice being present to you, the God who fills heaven and earth. Please enrich our prayers by your words in scripture and enrich our relationship with you by your words in scripture. For Christ's sake, amen.